Hey, what's up everybody? My name's MJ, and you're listening to the MTG in Quarantine Podcast. As usual, I'd like to give a quick shout-out before we begin to my local game store, Guardian Games. You can find Guardian Games on the web at ggportland.com. I'd also like to utilize this opportunity to give another huge shout-out and thank you to all the awesome people who support me over at patreon.com slash Quarantine. So huge round of thank yous to Mr. Big Benz, Anomaly, Nick S, Frugal Brutal, Jen of the Filthy MTG Casuals, Coach J-Row, Geek Beardly, and Scoop Face for supporting the show. If you'd like to help support the show and help me make more awesome content, head on over to patreon.com slash Quarantine for more information. And you can pick up your very own MTG in Quarantine branded playmat over at Inked Gaming. That's I-N-K-E-D Gaming.com. Got two really awesome versions, both the full color logo as well as the grayscale logo. They both look really awesome. You're going to want to pick up one for you and all of your friends. So again, if you want to pick up your very own MTG in Quarantine branded playmat, head on over to Inked Gaming. That's I-N-K-E-D Gaming.com. Search MTG in quarantine. Every purchase helps support the channel. is greatly appreciated. So if you've been a long-time listener, you've probably heard about some of my decks ad nauseum. Okay, I'm going to give myself that one. Um, But seriously, I have quite a few decks that I've been talking about here on the podcast for quite a while. And I feel like it's time to do a deck tech on one of those. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce everybody to, again, my favorite deck to talk about on the show, one of my favorite decks to play of all time, Kothbed Soul Hoarder. Now, again, I know I've talked about this a million times on the podcast. You're probably sick of this. You're probably going to be out there saying, hey, MJ, are you going to stop talking about Kothbed for once and play something else? I'm going to say, no, listener, I really love this deck. So, yeah, basically, Kothbed Soul Hoarder, again, if you're new to the show, and you don't know the story, I used to hear a few years ago that Kothaved was unplayable because of Smothering Tithe, just the way that the interaction works. Obviously, you basically dome yourself as soon as Smothering Tithe comes down and Kothaved kills you as a player. And I thought, okay, that doesn't make it unplayable. Now I just really want to build a deck around this card just to, just to prove everybody wrong. And at the time, I didn't realize it was actually going to end up being one of my favorite decks to play, but now it totally is. So, yeah, basically, the Kothbed Soul Hoarder deck basically is looking for me trying to destroy my opponent's permanence and try to be able to draw cards off of my commander's ability. So, Kothbed Soul Hoarder is a 6-6 legendary demon costing 3 black-black, he has flying and reads whenever a permanent owned by another player is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, you draw a card and you lose one life. And again, this commander, particular commander, on EDH rec only has about 60 to 65 decks. So I think you can see where um, not a lot of people give this guy a chance, maybe in the 99, but definitely not as a commander. So I feel like I have a very unique deck here, something that people really don't know. I honestly lost track of how many people I've played this against who have never actually heard what the card does. And I really enjoy this deck, not only because of that uniqueness, but also just because it allows me to play some really terrible cards and actually have them come off really, uh, really well. So I'm going to basically break this deck down by some of the cool things that it does, and then just kind of go over some of the, the basics after that of how, of how I play this. 
So the goal of this deck is, again, to be able to try to blow up my opponent's permanents to be able to trigger Coat the Fed's ability. Obviously, whenever a permanent, again, this could be a land, creature, enchantment, artifact, doesn't matter, planeswalker, anything that is a permanent, as long as it goes into a graveyard of another player, Coat the Fed will trigger. So the idea behind this deck is to be able to blow up my opponent's things and be able to gain value off of that. Conversely, I also want to make sure that I don't lose the game on, on the spot because my Kothafed triggers. Um, this has actually happened. I had a game a while back where we had, I don't know, what was it, 16 billion plant tokens that I blew up, and we all lost uh, the game on the spot effectively. So it ended up effectively being a draw uh, for, for that particular game just because Kothafed killed me, but I killed the rest of the table in the process. So, you know, fun stuff, really. But yeah, so... <clears throat> The, the crux of the deck here is really in the artifact synergies and some of the creatures. So I run a lot of very low-cost, very aggressive creatures that have lifelink because I want to make sure that in the early turns of the game, I can start bumping my life total up a slight bit. So I'm running cards that uh, you know can come down early, have different things going for them, and allow me to really start getting the game off to a really good start. So I'm going to be looking at cards like Vampire Cutthroat, which is a 1-1 Vampire Rogue out of the Eldritch Moon set that has Skulk, so this creature can't be blocked by creatures with greater power and lifelink. So effectively the idea is if, it, if the Cutthroat comes down on turn 1, I'm able to attack with turn 2, gain a life, but also later in the game when my opponents probably have creatures that are larger than a 1-1, I can still drop this and still get the lifelink trigger, get a life, and basically the cutthroat is unblockable at that point. Um, I run Vampire of the Dire Moon, which has Death Touch and lifelink, so people are probably not going to want to swing into this. Or, you know, if they are, I have a nice blocker, but I can also get some points of damage in here and there, gain some life. Uh, again, Banehound used to be in here, basically a 1-1 haste haste with lifelink things like that so trying to get small aggressive creatures in here they can help get a few points of damage in early so i can start trying to mold my life total a little bit better that's really the goal and some of the artifacts that i run actually really work with the strategy so i run a copy of prism ring and prism ring is a one cost artifact came out of magic origins in 2015 i believe and reads as prism ring enters the battlefield choose a color Whenever you cast a spell of the chosen color, you gain one life. So unlike the Tooth Cycle, which is a three-cost artifact cycle where I could play something like that for every time, a, uh, every time a player casts a black spell, I prefer Prism Ring because, again, my, my deck is mono-black. So I'm going to be playing a lot of black spells, and Prism Ring comes down on turn one if I wanted to, or later if I just need to be able to play it, it costs one. And all of a sudden, it gives me that same thing the Tooth Cycle does. But it also gives me, um, you know, only on mine. But again, I'm, I'm running, I don't know, 50-some black spells in this deck. So um, the ability to gain some life on here is really, really underrated. I also run Pristine Talisman, which is a three-mana rock. It says tap to add one generic mana to your mana pool. You gain one life. So again, I can use a Pristine Talisman to pay for my other spells and gain some incidental life through that. So... Again, while it may not be the most optimized way to be able to do this, there are certainly definitely better ways to get more life off a of lifelink. These are nice, cheap little ways to basically do what I'm already doing and gain a little bit of life here, a little bit of life there, and hopefully be able to keep my life total a little bit above uh, where, where my opponents are. But obviously, I'm also running things that uh, do provide a 
bigger swing here. So I'm running Basilisk Caller, uh, one one cost artifact equipment equipped creature has death touch and lifelink and equipped cost of two. So if I'm able to put this on Kothpet and swing, all of a sudden I I'm basically able to gain six life every turn. I'm able to do some things like that, as well as Bantu's Monument, which not only makes my black creatures cost less to cast, which is really nice, but also uh, allows me to drain my opponents for a life every time I cast a creature spell, which again, I'm running 26, 26 creatures in this deck, plus my commander, so effectively I can try to get 5, 6, 7 pings of my opponents in here, get their life totals down a little bit, get my life total up a little bit, and try to try to deal with that. So now that I've talked a little bit about some of the creatures that allow me to gain life in the deck, I'm going to go to the next section, which is trying to blow my opponent's stuff up. So again, black is really good at creature destruction, but not just on instants and sorceries, it's also really good on creatures. So I run several of the Fleshbag Marauder effects in here. And Fleshbag Marauder, for anyone who doesn't know, is a 3-1 zombie warrior costing 2 and a black, and reads, when Fleshbag Marauder enters the battlefield, each player sacrifices a creature. Not only is this a great way to be able to remove problematic creatures, potentially, but it also triggers Koth of it, because it says every player. So, <clears throat> again, even though I'm going to have to sacrifice probably the Fleshbag Marauder to its own trigger, the fact that all three of my opponents are going to also have to sacrifice creature triggers Kothabed three times. I lose three life. I draw three cards for three mana. Honestly, you can't really get a better black mono black draw spell than that, as especially with my commander. Now, I will lose three life, but again, there there's a card, uh, Ancient Craving, that does the same thing, but it costs four mana. So And, and, and it doesn't remove a creature on, on each opponent's board. So I really like the Fleshbag Marauder effects in here because they're really nice to have. Um, see, I also run Plague Crafter in here for the same reason, which, but it can also hit Planeswalkers, which is really nice. And I have a nice little bit of synergy in here for when creatures die. I do run the Blood Artists. I do run, I don't run Zulafort Cutthroat because again, it only works with creatures I control, but I do run Blood Artist in this deck because then every creature death that is triggered, whether it's my own creature dying or my opponent's creature dying, will provide pings for well, for, for me to gain life and for me to also hurt my opponents. I do run some other ways to be able to gain life kind of indirectly through creature death. I run I run Death Greeter in here, which is a 1-1 human shaman for a single black mana. It reads, whenever another creature is put into a graveyard from play, and again, it doesn't say which player, you may gain one life. So again, when, when that Fleshbag Marauder goes off, all of a sudden four creatures die. I lose three life off my commander, but Death Greeter gains me four life because it's any creature put into any graveyard from play. So all of a sudden I've gained one life and I've drawn three cards. So Death Greeter is a really huge crux in this deck, honestly. And it's friend, Sangramancer. And Sangramancer really is what helped me win uh, the game where, where I was playing Coat the Fed at Command Fest Bellevue last month where I was playing against EDHRX Joey Schultz, as well as Daquan Watson Power Dragon. And Sangramancer is really what helped turn the game around, because it used all the creature deaths that I would, triggers that I was able to get off of uh, off my other cards, and then be able to just gain a boat ton of life. So Sangramancer is a 3-3 vampire shaman, costing 2 black. Black has flying, and whenever a creature an opponent controls dies, you may gain 3 life. So all of a sudden, every time Coat the Fed triggers, I draw a card, Sangramancer will also trigger, and I will basically gain two life in a swing. So I'm able to build my life total up, and also whenever an opponent discards a card for any reason, you may gain three life. I don't exactly work around that, but um, you know it, it's nice extra value to have. Sangramancer is probably the unsung hero of this deck. 
Um, and also having a 3-3 three, three body, flying body for 4 is just a really nice rate, even just for attacking, you know, putting that Basilisk Caller on there, something like that. I also have various other ways to be able to blow up my opponent's permanence. I run Noxious Gear Hulk in here, which is, you know, really nice for targeted removal. Also giving me a nice 5-4 Menace uh, body. And also the fact it gains me life equal to the toughness of the creature it destroys. So... Well, it is a very expensive removal spell, it also gives me a nice evasive body, as well as provides me a little bit of life gain on there. Um, I do run, obviously, Gary, the Great Merchant of Asphodel here, if I'm able to get 5, 6, 7 life off of there, ping my opponents. I'm running Massacre Worm in this deck. Again, a way to just be able to blow up, hopefully, my opponent's token swarms, give everything minus 2, minus 2 till end of turn, and also forces them to lose life whenever they lose permanence. I run Reaver Demon in here, which is a 6-6 demon costing 4 black, 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 black. Rhea has flying, and when Reaver Demon enters the battlefield, if you cast it from your hand, which I always do in this deck, destroy all non-artifact, non-black creatures. They can't be regenerated. So Reaver Demon will never hit any of my own creatures, because I'm only running black creatures and artifact creatures. So Reaver Demon never actively hurts me, but it only hurts my opponents. And when I can drop a Reaver Demon with Kothafed out there, or with Massacre Worm out there, it gets nutty pretty quickly. Again, the, the the example I mentioned a few minutes ago about the about the plant tokens, Reaver Demon is what basically allowed me to wipe the board. It's not quite as good as, let's say, a Damnation, but the fact it's on a 6-6 six, six Demon Flyer body, um, it, it, it's just really nice to be able to have this ability to, you know, to have in the deck because it also doesn't hurt my own creatures. And that's something Damnation will not do because I don't really get a lot of value off my own creatures dying. I want my opponent's creatures to die. So, again, that's because I don't run Zulaport Cutthroat anyways to be able to really profit off my own creatures dying. So that is why Reaver Demon is in here is because it's basically an asymmetrical board wipe <laughs> for the most part. It's almost like in Garrick's Wake, but it also provides me a body, which is really nice, especially when my opponents lose their boards well, now I have a 6-6 six, six Flying Demon that you have to deal with, plus maybe my commander. So I just really like Reaver Demon in here just because of the flexibility. Same with the Noxious Gear Hulk. I just like the flexibility of creature-based removal in this deck versus instant sorcery-based removal. Uh, other things I'm running include the, you know, include Dread Presence. Wherever a Swamp enters the battlefield, you can either draw a card and lose a life, or you can deal 2 damage to anything and you gain 2 life. I just like the modality of that. Since I am running... 27 swamps in this deck so i'm able to get a lot of value off of that or you know even just get a few extra cards here and there i'm running some creatures that get bigger whenever my opponent's creatures die so uh something like malakir coalblade whenever a creature an opponent controls dies put a plus one plus one counter on malakir coalblade i have malakir familiar which whenever i gain life it gets plus one plus one until end of turn you know a nice little two one flying death touch body for three and kind of overcosted, but you know, fun things to do with that. And then, obviously, the the partner duo of Vampire Nighthawk and Nighthawk Scavenger, which are both flying Death Touch, Life Link. You know, gave me a little bit of life. Also, really nice defensive bodies. And Nighthawk Scavenger can actually go up from the two three can be like a seven three. Honestly, if if enough cards go in the graveyard, which is really nice for three mana. So, I just really enjoy having a nice suite of care of creatures here to really be able to do things with and i also do run bloodseeker which uh, does punish my opponents for playing creatures or you know, just especially token players because i'm able to force them to lose a life for every creature that hits the battlefield so i just really enjoy having these ways to hit my opponents as many when creatures come in when creatures die 
and then be able to profit off of their creatures dying with my commander. So again, I just really enjoy this creature suite. Maybe it could be improved a little bit. Maybe if uh, there's some more aggressive, low-cost black creatures that come out in the in the coming years with lifelink on them, I can start replacing the the cheaper creatures in this deck. But I really enjoy the the upper part of the curve of this deck. And sometimes, yeah, it can screw me over. You know, I, I mean, again, my average, according to Moxfield, where I have this, my average mana curve is 2.95. So, again, a little bit lower than I expected, but sometimes, you know, the, some of these creatures, sometimes you can't really play them. You know, Reaver Demon requires you to have four black pips, and while I do have 27 swamps in here and some ways to generate some black mana, you know, sometimes that can still be difficult to get off. So, again, I, I kind of have to be careful with that, but I, I don't really care. It's, it's a fun deck. Getting mana screwed happens, you know, whatever. Anyway, I'm going to move over to the sorceries here. So I do run Crux of Fate. Obviously, I did pick up a copy of Damnation recently. I haven't had a chance to update my deck list recently, so that's in there as well. But Crux of Fate is an interesting board wipe in the fact it destroys all, allows you a modal option for three black black to either destroy all dragon creatures or destroy all non-dragon creatures. And I just feel like what's what's really nice about this is that this is a this is a budget version, obviously, of Damnation at the time I put it in there. And it basically can wipe the board unless you're playing a dragon deck. So I just like the, I just like the no nonsense ability to just be able to destroy everything in there. I do run feed the swarm because it's one of the ways mono black is able to destroy enchantments. Obviously, I lose life, so I have to be very careful with this, especially since Kothvet also will trigger on that and give me another card. Um, I do want to make sure I can reuse my creatures, so I do run a copy of Forever Young which allows me to put in a number of target creature cards from my graveyard on the top of my library, and then I draw a card. So it's a really nice ability to be able to get some of the key things I need back on top of my library, which hopefully then I can draw with Kothafed again so that I can then be able to replay the things I need. So I, I just really enjoy that little bit of recursion. I used to have... Uh, actually, I'm not sure if I still have Grave Purge in there, which is an instant speed way. So if someone drops some... Uh, some grave hate or something i'm able to put uh, creatures on top of my library instead of losing them to exile so i really enjoy things like that uh one of the uh one of the cards i really am, am never quite sure about in here but actually really works is pox and again i know that this card has become more interesting in the constructive formats as of late but when i originally put this card in the deck there really was no talk about pox. It was probably like less than a dollar, honestly. Now it's $7, according to the time I'm recording this. Anyway, pox is a sorcery for three for three black. So black, black, black. And it reads, each player loses one third of his or her life. Then chooses and discards one third of his or her hand, which will trigger Sangromancer. Then sacrifices one third of the creatures he or she controls which will trigger Kothavet, and then sacrifices one-third of the lands he or she controls, which can triggers Kothavet, round each loss up. So Pox is a really nice way to not only remove a few things on my opponent's board, but also be able to get just a boatload of Kothavet triggers. As long as I have um, two creatures or more, Pox will allow me to keep Kothavet around while also blowing up a whole bunch of permanents on my opponent's boards. This could easily hit 10, 12, 15 things, if not more, on a single activation for 3 black and just allow me to refill my hand. Obviously, losing life is going to hurt me. Losing lands will hurt me. Losing a couple of cards in my hand will hurt me. But the fact is, is that I don't care about the discarded cards because I'm going to be drawing so many cards off my commander that I will be able to replace the couple that I lose to Pox. 
I mean, this honestly is is another one of those unsung MVPs in this deck, is whenever I'm able to cast this and resolve this, it allows me a lot of cards. And I just really enjoy the card selection, and also it, hopefully it sets my opponents back a little bit because it forces them to lose a third of their life total, which also gets them closer to losing the game. So I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie. Is that hopefully my life total is low enough that I'm not hurting myself too badly, but hopefully my opponents lose a lot of life here. Uh, when, when I go over to the instance, obviously I'm running Baleful Mastery because I want to exile a target creature or Planeswalker if I need to. I also do run a couple of interesting ways to be able to try to gain a little bit of life here. So I do run Vona's Hunger as well as Tribute to Hunger in this deck. Vona's Hunger is, again, a card that was like 30 cents when I picked it up. Now it's almost three bucks uh, because it's really good. It's an instant for two and a black, has a send. So if you control 10 or more permanents, you get the city's blessing for the rest of the game. Reads each opponent sacrifices a creature. If you have the city's blessing, instead each opponent sacrifices half the creatures he or she controls, rounded up. So what I really like about this card is not only does it hurt all of my opponents, but if I do have the city's blessing, which you know by turn seven, eight, nine of the game I should have that. Um, honestly, there, there's really no ceiling for this card on as far as Kothbed triggers. If someone has a huge token army. I'm able to get, I don't know, 30 cards off of this. No, I could kill myself with this. So unfortunately, there, there's a little bit of a downside. But even if I'm just able to get three cards off of Kothafed for three mana, you know, a three mana investment, that's really good. And if I do have the City's Blessing, hopefully I can get seven, eight, nine cards, something like that. That's still pretty good. And Tribute to Hunger is very similar. Each target opponent sacrifices a creature, you gain life equal to that creature's toughness. So again, if I'm able to destroy something with some size here, I, I get a Kothbed trigger, but I also gain some life back, which is really nice. Obviously, I want to make sure I have my commander on the battlefield, and losing him really sucks. So I do have a couple of low-cost indestructibility effects. I do have Professor's Warning in here, which is a really nice modal spell out of Strixhaven, came out last year. And choose one, put a plus one, plus one counter on target creature, which I, I can do if I want to. But really more important, target creature gains indestructible until end of turn. So I'm able to keep Kothfed on the battlefield and during a board wipe and try to make sure that I'm able to just keep the gravy train running because he costs six to, to cast, and I don't want to have to recast him all time and again, time and again. And Rush of Vitality does some, something similar, but it costs one to black, and target creature gains plus one, plus oh, and gains lifelink and indestructible until end of turn. So all of a sudden, if I want to gain some extra life, I can use this on Kothafed to try to gain seven life and not lose him on a swing. So just a nice little way to be able to gain some life and do, do some interesting things. Going over the artifacts here, I do also run, I forgot to mention Profane Memento, which reads, whenever a creature card is put into an opponent's graveyard from anywhere, you gain one life. So again, if they're discarding off a of Pox or if they're losing cards off a of Sangramancer, I'm able to gain a little bit of extra life through Profane Memento. But again, the problem with this one is that it says a creature card, so tokens will not trigger it. So I have to be careful with that. But again, you know, for, for a one-cost artifact, it ain't bad. Moving over to the enchantments, I'm still kind of uh, tinkering around with this a little bit, but one the card I really enjoy here is Liability. And Liability is an old enchantment from the Mercadian Mask set, and enchantment costing one black black reads, whenever a card is put into a player's graveyard from play, that player loses one life. So again, this is a fully symmetrical effect. It will hurt me, but the goal of the deck is to be able to use liability to be able to blow up my opponent's permanents and have them lose a ton of life. 
if I'm able to drop liability and then drop pox, you're losing a lot of lands. They're, my opponents are losing creatures, and liability will trigger and hopefully bring them down to a more manageable life total where then I can take them out of the game with something like my Psychosis Crawler when I'm drawing cards or a Massacre Worm to try to be able to just finish the game off or, or Gary. So liability is just really nice. No one really knows what it does. It costs about a buck now. It's kind of a fun little card that no one really has ever seen. And I, I just really enjoy this deck. And another thing I do have in here is Minions Return, which is a nice way to be able to save my commander and bring him back on the battlefield for, for three mana. Last thing I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about the lands. So I don't run the Urborg and Cabal Coffers in there just because they're extremely expensive. So I'm running 27 Swamps, Rogue's Passage, Reliquary Tower to make sure that I am able to keep a full grip of hand or full grip of cards. I'm running Leech Ridden Swamp, which allows me, if I control two more black permanents, to hit each of my opponents for one by tapping and paying a black. A nice little way to be able to add a little bit of damage on an end step. Or Bojuka Bog, obviously, to be able to exile my opponent's graveyards. Cabal Stronghold, to be able to add some extra mana later in the game. And, uh, and High Market. High Market's really interesting because, again, Kothfed can kill me. I have to have a few ways in this deck to be able to kill my own creature, just in case uh, something were to go off and I need to kill my commander ASAP before he kills me. So High Market is a land that either taps for colorless, or you can tap and sacrifice a creature and you gain one life. So the idea is High Market's only in here so I can sacrifice Kothafed to gain a life um, on, on the stack. So that's really interesting. And then what I really enjoy about this deck is the fact that I'm drawing so many cards. I'm even running the Tron lands. So I'm running Urza's Mine, Power Plant, and the Tower. I mean, I, I do try to get natural Tron if I can. I think I pulled it off once, maybe twice. And again, I'm, I'm not really... I, yes, the deck would be a whole lot better if I was just running basic swamps instead of these. But I just like the fact that I can just drop a turn on Urza's Power Plant and my opponents are going, what? Yeah. I, I really enjoy the silliness. I, I just happen to have a play set of these cards, and I just wanted to find a place to use them. This deck draws a lot of cards, and I just figured, you know, if I'm ever going to be able to do natural Tron just by drawing cards, this seems like the right deck to, to put that in there. So that, that's really the, the funny little story behind that, and actually I've done this with multiple other decks now too. So I just really enjoy running the Tron lands in this deck. Is it good? No. Do I care? No. So, yeah, I... That's the Kothafed deck. Uh, again, if you're interested in checking out the full deck list, you can go on over to my Moxfield profile, which you can find on my link tree, which you can find in the episode description of this episode. Or, yeah, maybe I'll just post the deck list. I don't know. Actually, that might actually be easier. Yeah, so just check out my Moxfield for all the decks I've worked on. There's a lot of really cool stuff out there. You can definitely check that out. Anyway, I want to give this opportunity, give another huge shout out and thank you to all the awesome people who support me over at patreon.com slash MTG in quarantine. It's a huge round of thank yous again to Mr. Big Benz, Anomaly, Nick S, Frugal Brutal, Jen of the Filthy MTG Casuals, Coach J Row, Geek Beardly, and Scoop Face for supporting the show. If you'd like to help support the show and help me make more awesome content, Head on over to patreon.com slash MTG in quarantine for more information. And I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of the MTG in Quarantine podcast. My name's MJ. Have a great rest of your day, everybody.